This podcast has been made possible by Planful and U.S. Bank. Hi, this is Vijay Kumar, CFO of CIFI Technologies Limited, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure and honor to be sharing my thoughts about my life and work with you. This is episode 571. It's Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Greg Wookie, CFO of Boulevard. Now, interestingly, an earlier CFO tour of duty for Greg was at Mind and Body. Now, you might recall that we had the CFO, the current CFO of Mind and Body on the show last year. Uh, Now, Mind and Body is a technology company that focuses on the health and fitness sector. They're supplying technology. It's a software specially tailored for the needs of that retail industry. Well, Boulevard specializes in the spa and sort of high-end spa industry, supplying solutions for that sector. So we have another uh, SaaS platform with an experienced finance leader at the helm of the finance function. Should be an interesting chapter. That's opening for Boulevard. We asked Greg to fill us in and share what's up at Boulevard and take a look back for us at his finance career journey after this. In an ever-changing world, it can be tough to keep up with the latest FP&A trends and innovations that keep you ahead of the game. Luckily, there's a podcast for that. Tune in to Being Planful, the podcast for finance leaders and planning experts, and stay in the know about what's happening in planning and forecasting. Guests like influencer Chris Ortega, Boston Red Sox CFO Tim Zhu, and Brian Lapidus of AFP will keep you up to speed on how you can put finance in the driver's seat this year. Find the full episodes at beingplanful.com or wherever you get your podcasts. P.S. Think you might make a great guest on the show? Shoot host Rowan Tonkin an email at beingplanful at planful.com.
Interesting you, you, you mentioned that because I think one of the things we frequently hear is that to get a CFO role, you have to have served in a CFO role. So it's kind of unfair how you do that. But one of the ways you do that is by taking on a CFO role in what might be a, a smaller firm and then graduating up uh, in the CFO uh, ecosystem to a larger company as a CFO of a larger company, a larger company. Is that what happened with your career? I think the other thing I would say is that you have to work on a lot. So my my first CFO role came as a result of working with somebody who I worked with previously, and so they knew what my capabilities were. They were willing to take a chance on me. But I think not to sound too egotistical, but I think the other thing that that mattered in that regard was that I had shown the ability to provide value. To this person. So, um, this person was actually the head of sales at FileNet, this small public company. And while at FileNet, I worked very closely with him in terms of developing business plans and compensation plans that 
a lot of just hard work and effort, um, not just you know, showing up and spending 10, 12, 14 hours a day, but actually providing something of value that can help the company. And I think those two combinations, if, if you focus on those things, eventually the right opportunity will open up for you. While you, you certainly had uh, a diversity of different companies, tech is not your main avenue, uh, correct? Uh, over the last 10 years, certainly in the moment. That's right. I had one divergence in that when I, when I, my family and I moved from uh, Southern California to the Central Coast, where uh, we just did a lifestyle change, like a, a job that would pay the bills. I was with an architecture firm as a controller of the architecture firm, which was another great experience because I learned a lot about professional services, which is certainly a component of tech firms. But uh, I really feel like I've developed uh, an ability to understand, in particular, how software is a service companies operate what the metrics are. So that's really been the focus for me over the last, say, 15 to 20 years. And thank you uh, for mentioning that lifestyle change. I think it's important as we speak to uh, finance leaders to draw out what went into their career decision-making along the way. And uh, let's make no mistake, there are so many elements of personal life that, that help us make the right decisions that uh, I think they're important to mention here. So thank you for pointing that out. I hope to talk to you a little more about your career during the mentoring round, but uh, right now let's find out about Boulevard and what this opportunity was, what it meant to you, and, and, and tell us about this company. Great. So I met the co-founders of this company a few years ago through a mutual acquaintance. Matt Bannon, Sean started this company four years ago, and it really came about as a result of one of them not being able to find a, a really easy way to book an appointment at a barbershop or a salon. And they realized that there was a, a technology gap in terms of the right type of technology provided to salon owners to help them run their business. So they decided to take a, take a crack at trying to solve that problem that really amounted to an inability to have the salon owner be able to connect effectively with our clientele to make booking appointments easier and to provide the right details around the booking. And they actually spent a fair amount of time working at the lawn, working at the front desk to really understand the pain point. And what they came up with was a business manager software for mostly appointment-based businesses in which salons are one of the largest and the first focus for Boulevard to help them manage how they operate and how they work with their clients. They provide booking capabilities for both clients and for stylists. They provide uh, CRM-type um, services to draw more customers into the salon. A lot of reporting. Uh, there's a mobile app for clients to book their appointments and integrated payments so that the salon owner can accept credit card payments within the software. And their focus has been a really beautiful experience, which makes sense in the beauty industry. So a really nice UI, a really nice customized checkout experience, booking appointment experience, is something that is really easy for the salon owner, for the stylist, for the front desk staff to work in. And so I think they've hit on something that was missing, and that was a very easy way for, for the salon owner to work with the client. And I'm excited it's a very small young company, but we're growing incredibly fast because Honor, just seeing how nice this, this platform can be for them. So I'm really excited about the growth. 
virtual property. Is this a, uh, is it a, so it is a, a SaaS solution? Is it where the, the uh, salon owner can uh, just get it sort of a subscription based model? Or how's it work? That's, that's exactly right. So it's a subscription based model. There are different levels to the pricing depending on the, the features and functionality that one owner chooses. There's an integrated payment platform, but that's really an important way to deliver the software to salon owners. Back, back in my earlier days, you know, I was I was working for companies that had client server architecture and uh, perpetual licensing, and that was a heavy upfront investment for companies. The subscription model makes it easier for uh, salons and other types of businesses that maybe run on big margins to be able to afford to get up and running on a platform like this. So. Uh, really important component of this is the, is the pricing model that becomes more for those owners. So, uh, as a venture that company today, I have to believe there's a, a number of different metrics that you're, you're you know, responsive to. And as, as a finance leader, you're keeping a close eye on what, what would come to mind. Uh, absolutely. I think one of the things that we really look at very closely is the unit economics for a business. And by that, I mean we look at each business in terms of lifetime value they provide to us. So what are they going to what are they going to pay us over the lifetime that they're a customer with us? Uh, and subtract out any of the costs and we have a gross margin. And that's a really critical component because staff companies take a lot of capital to get up and running, unlike the old days where you got an upfront perpetual license fee of a significant amount of money. We're getting paid you know, little bits by a lot of companies over time. So we look at lifetime value and try to reduce customer churn as much as we can. And then the other side of the coin of that is what we call customer acquisition costs. What does it take to bring a customer on board in terms of sales and marketing and onboarding? And that yields this term that we call LTV to cash, which is really a measure of how how fast does the lifetime value measure pay back your customer acquisition costs. And so it's really a measure of the efficiency of the business, and it's something we watch very closely. And I think the other one, just in terms of more of a macro measurement, is annual recurring revenue. And that's really the, the metric that is a basis for how you value the business. The annual recurring revenue basically being the subscription fees you get and plus the rest of the payment revenue we receive. It's the recurring predictable revenue that investors love and we love. And it's something that we measure in terms of the growth of, of it and how it relates to the other measurements of the business. So really, LTV to cash, ARR, are two of the most prominent ones that we look at. You know, it's, it's interesting. I'm thinking about this model, and I'm, I'm uh, like a lot of people intrigued by it, I imagine. Um, what, what I'm imagining is that the best case scenario is a spa where there's someone who's going to champion the software. Just to understand it, understand how it's integrated into the company and how it's going to serve customers better. But the fact is, is spas have people who are uh, largely distracted with other aspects of the business and um, might have three other hats that they're wearing at any given time. So bringing a spa up and making sure they understand how to use the software correctly is going to make it a positive relationship. And so the tools that you give these spots to help them come up to speed with it, how am I doing? <laughs> am I describing the scenario correctly, or what would you tell them? Oh, that's absolutely correct. You're, you're absolutely right. All of these owners, they got 
So we use a lot of that in terms of building a model. And you know, I probably know different than a lot of finance leaders. I use an Excel spreadsheet, uh, a fairly hefty one, to try to predict the, the business in terms of top line and, and bottom line. And the, the big thing for us is what, what are we doing to drive business? What are our marketing strategies? What's our sales strategy for us as direct sales teams? We're, we're not yet kind of into a channel sales program. And so we use the metrics that we have in terms of direct marketing spend and what kind of opportunities those are driving. And as we grow and become, become more mature, we'll get better at that forecast. And it'll be much more predictive than it is now. But that would, that would be how we would you know, try to forecast the business going forward is using that historical data understanding the initiatives that we have for the year. So right now we're in the U.S. We're mostly in larger cities like Los Angeles and New York. I think in the coming year we'll see a presence outside of the U.S. mainly because some of our customers will drive us in that direction. So that will then create a little bit more uncertainty in terms of how we grow business in those areas. But it really is going to come down to data and using data to try to be more predictive. Okay. Very nice overview. Thank you. On predictive uh, models, now it all begins with collecting that data. If you're not collecting it, you know, there, there won't be the historical uh, sort of basis or platform to work up from. Uh, we're going to jump to what we refer to as our finance strategic moment question. And, you know, clearly finance leaders build careers on finance strategic moments. So we're just asking you for one. And it could have been early in your career, could have been last week, could have been, you know, 10 years ago. Well, I think there are a lot of moments, potential moments like that. And I think the one that comes to mind for me is uh, I started at a company called Mindbody back in 2009. And at the time, we were a little bit bigger than what Goldard is now. We were a few rounds of investing ahead of where, where we are at Goldard. But it was very clear that the business was going extremely fast. And that there was a potential that at some point in the future we might be able to become a public company. And so, without it, I knew that there were certain things we needed to do as my body was prepared for that moment. And that moment didn't come until six years later. But in the time that, that I was having finance there, what I tried to do is lay the foundation for what would be the ability to a public company in the future. And that really involved several things. One was to build out a, a more robust internal team in terms of accounting and, and finance and that P&A team. Another one was the ability to use tools that would be more supportive of a public company. So, for example, uh, moving off of a, say, a QuickBooks and moving on to suite so that our reporting would be stronger. Then changing relationships in terms of audit, banking, and legal. Those are all things that I set in motion very early on in my career there that eventually proved to be something that was important for the ability of the company to go public, which we did in 2015. So I think that was a problem where I look at the finance operation, I think about where what the state of it is at that time, where it needs to be several years, years down the road. So you have to start those processes in motion and not wait too long, or, or now you're up against the, kind of the timing. So that was a very strategic thing that I did in terms of trying to make sure the company was prepared in case that happened, which it eventually did. 
Okay, when we return, CFO Greg Wookie enters the mentoring round after this. The business landscape is changing quickly. As the pressure to manage expenses efficiently and strategically increases, you need solutions that not only help drive down costs and improve efficiencies, but meet the changing needs of your business. At U.S. Bank, we can help. We'll work with you to uncover your specific payment challenges and bring you proactive and innovative solutions and strategies that help you meet the financial goals of your organization. Our commitment to doing the right thing for our customers has earned us the designation of one of the world's most ethical companies from the Ethisphere Institute for six years in a row. To learn more, visit us at usbpayment.com. Well, we're back, and Greg Wookie is entering the mentoring round with us. Greg, we begin with a big question, which is, what is it that's exciting you about finding business today? Is the thing that's really most exciting for finance is how finance has become more operational. And it's not just a matter of producing numbers and, and reporting on those numbers. In the, in, in, most CFOs today are much more operational. They're involved in other parts of the business, helping to manage those parts of the business in ways that they did 20 years ago. A good example for me is in sales. Uh, I really am very involved a lot with our sales team, helping them prepare, try to get clients uh, closed, and try to get them up and running on software. So for me, that's the most exciting part. There's a breadth to this role that wasn't there. Well, I think um, my wife is probably going to do this, but I, I try as best 
really hard to say that you know, we're pretty much connected all the time. And I think that what, what I really want to try to do is, is kind of kind of shut everything down. And I think that's really for the benefit of my career as a business and that I'm definitely recharged. And that you know, usually there's a time that you do, right? That we have done or not, but not just in the office, but just get away, put your phone away.
I'm going to go uh, to our final question, Greg, and very quickly, for me anyway, uh, where we ask you to look forward. Over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a planet? Well, I think for the most part, the priority is continuing to lay the foundation for this business. I think building a business, especially if you want, is much like building a house. And as the founder leaves the business and starts claiming and starts drywalling, and not only uh, is because it pays the actual foundation of the house, and my role is to make sure we have a solid foundation, and that is that, that we have a budget that we have uh, a compensation plan, but there's a fine number that budget that we have the right process in place that make sure we don't inhibit the flow of the business, that we have the right team in place. Properly with our customers, and really be a, um, I would say, a service for the rest of the company. And that means that in my role, when I'm not actually selling a product, making a product, I've got to be very interested with the people who are doing those functions and making sure that they have the resources they need to do the best job they can. And that's really my most important role to make sure everybody has what they need to sell what they do. And I think we have a great team at Boulevard. listeners, do us a favor, be certain to subscribe to CFO Thought Leader on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or Google Play. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Oh, and by the way, the CFO Yearbook 2021 Print Edition debuts on Amazon this quarter featuring 100 profiles of finance leaders from our 2020 season. Would you like to learn more about our CFO guests? Order the CFO Yearbook 2021. Thank you for supporting our efforts to bring you career journeys of CFOs driving change. We'll be back with another episode very soon. Thank you for listening.